Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey everybody, this is Derek, Backpacking and Blisters, Episode 9. I'm here with the man who would probably eat his own belly button lint if it meant shaving off weight. <laughs> Carl Mandrioli. How you doing, dude? What's going on? You are never in want for a creative introduction. I appreciate that. I want to I want to increase the legend, you know, build the legend of Carl. Not the legend. I will say that I can barely contain oh, myself. Are we going to do this all day? The, I, the bear I think, puns? I think you just got to grin and bear it. Oh, wow. Because right. this episode is, is filled with all sorts of bear stuff, and <laughs> I brought my teddy bear to hold on to. Wow. So s- listeners are just dropping. One <laughs> dropping, dropping. Well, I can barely <laughs> hold on here. Oh, I, there you go. I'll join him. I got to repeat. Yeah. It's, <laughs> good, it's, if it's good. It's good, man. So let's jump in. Uh, Fools with Bear Spray it sounds like kind of a weird title because. But it's not. This is this is a real problem. It is. And I don't. Is this referring to us or are we sort of making fun of the general public at hand here? I'm going to say the latter. But uh, it's still good to know about because you don't want to be one of these people that becomes a statistic. So, <laughs> what statistic are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into that, Carl. Okay. We're going to get into that. I'll take that as an I don't know for the answer. But what we're going to do for this episode is we are going to each share some bear experiences and some bear stories and essentially kind of boil it down to three things to know about hiking in bear country. Most of like the backpacking territory out there, or at least people that experience backpacking, I'm sure have been in bear country at one time or another, and they've gotten advice from rangers, and they've gotten advice from fellow people, they've gotten advice from the internet. And so now it's time for us to give a give you kind of our take on some things and things to watch out for, hopefully some solutions to um, to kind of help avoid the bears and the bear problems in certain areas. Right. Yeah, so we each have three. Well, and before we begin, let me just reiterate, we are trying to really push to create this perfect backpacking trip. That's the goal of season one, so... You know, today is obviously talking about bears specifically, and um, hopefully we can give you guys some takeaways to apply to any any trip you might be planning in the future. So right. let's rock and roll. Here we go. We're going to do it, and I'll start off this one. Typically, if you're going to like a bear-infested area, you are, if, it, if it's kind of an area, like a problem zone, uh, they, they typically require you to carry the bear canister. And in our last episode, we mentioned how lame that can be. But if you're required to carry it, you got to carry it. One thing, actually, this is kind of a side note that I forgot to mention in the last episode, is if you if you know you are actually going to avoid bears altogether, kind of a way to cheat the system a little bit is to bring the minimum number of bear canisters required because they don't really check to make sure that the the, um, the volume kind of relates to the group at hand. So I have a challenge question for you on that. Have you ever, and you can be honest, 
It's just me and you right now. Okay. Have you ever been like, yeah, I got the bear cancers here. And then, you know, you're like, I'm going to go some, to some like really remote places. And then you, once you get on the trail and you're going, you're like, mm, let's just leave the canisters in the car. Let's just not bring that with let's us. Let's just not bring it. And, and I'm going to gamble that I don't see any rangers. Right. I, I would say definitely my 20s, I would have been the type of person to do that. But I want to, um, I've learned that it's better to respect authority. And so rather than just kind of altogether like saying no to carrying the bear canister, even though I know that we're required to do so, I kind of just sort of just say, you know, yes, we have the bear canisters. Yes, we're bringing them. They don't typically follow up with, do you have, you know, two per person or one per person or whatever. You know, the last time we went, we had a group of seven guys and we had two bear canisters. Is that enough to hold all of our food? Not even close. But we did sort of abide by the rule. I don't know that we abided by the spirit of the rule, but we we followed the rule to the letter of the law and we did inform the rangers that we did have the the bear canisters. But this is getting this is getting us off topic in our first one. This is not where I was going with this. So <laughs> I just want them to know that you're a man of integrity, that's all. Okay. Sort of. I think this, that's a sort a majority, of majority a majority of the time. Right. I have not caused any bear problems um, in terms of like feeding the bears. True. R- recently, anyway. <laughs> but one of the biggest problems with the bear canisters is if you put the bear canister in the wrong spot, because even though the bears can't get into an enclosed bear canister, they can certainly kick it around. They can um, kick it far enough where you don't know where it is the next morning. Or if you're camping next to like a cliff, they can kick it off the cliff. And so even though they're sealed, it doesn't stop them from trying to get into the, the canister. So one solution is to simply just put the canister away from a cliff and far enough away from your campsite where the bear is not going to uh, be able to locate it. Now, I know they've got good sniffers, and if, you, if your canister smells like food, they're going to find it either way. But if you've been able to contain the food smell in the canister, at least it gives you a fighting chance. Should I should I bury it? Is that an option? Bury it? I like that one, too. That's a good one. Or, or cover it with rocks or something? Bears can dig. Bears can move rocks aside. <laughs> I'm just, so, I'm just no. throwing this out there if somebody asks you that. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, that's, I'm just... Uh, all right, so, so you're playing the role of the novice hiker there is what you're saying. True. Yeah. I want to see if you know your stuff. And you did. Well played. Um, <laughs> that's a good number one. That's a solid number one. Do you have anything to add to add that? Or can I jump on my number one? Is that? I think you're ready for number one. And I think I think at this point we got to reveal why we're calling this episode Fools of Bear Spray. So well, this, what you got? This is okay. The, the reason comes from this story. Okay. Uh, there was a family who was going out into the wild doing their thing. And um, so they br- they knew they were going into a bear infested area. And so they're like, we're going to bring some bear spray. And for whatever reason, rather than keeping the bear spray with them on the hip or in the pocket or in the hand or whatever, and if you see a bear, you're going to spray it in their direction. They, for some reason, assumed that they should kind of like treat it like a bug repellent. And spray it all over themselves. So these parents mm. sprayed the kids with bear spray. And long story short, they all they ended up going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Trip got canceled. So you cannot, you know, people amaze you. And you can't always assume people know what to do with bear spray. So right. hence fools with bear spray. They might have like not only literally scarred their children, but also like emotionally scarred them for the outdoors for life. Do you think that's a story they're going to laugh about twenty years from now? Mm, as long as there, as long as there's no permanent damage, damage there probably wasn't. Hey, mom and dad, remember that one time when you sprayed us with bear spray? And, and let's let's be clear, bear spray is insanely gnarly compared to like mace. 
correct just, just regular mean, stuff yeah it, well it's just it's just more of it and you know more of the pepper spray kind of kind of thing but that actually reminds me of a story that I read in that book, uh, Walk in the Woods by Bill, Bill Bryson, mm. where he was talking about just like kind of kind of the dumb tourist thing again, where the tourist was driving and there was like a barrel on the side of the road in some Appalachian area. And they got out and were like, hey, look, there's a bear. Let's get a picture <laughs> oh, with our little kid with the bear. What? And so they poured... This is like a years ago, but they poured honey on this like three year old's hand. Oh, I was like, hey, let's let's yeah. get the, let's have the bear lick the honey off the hand, and the bear bit the hand off, like that. Like, what kind of conversation you have with your parents at that point? Like, when you're you, you don't. Know, a few years, there's no conversation. I wish I had my right hand. Like, thanks, Dad. Do the parents go to jail for that? They gotta go to jail. That, for that. I don't know. I don't know. That's insane. I don't know. It's just common sense. I mean, right? if I'm in a jury sense. and I'm like, I just heard the story about a dad who put honey on his kid's hand and he's three and he put him in front of a bear. Like, you're going to jail, bro. Like, I'm, you're guilty in my yeah, book. So. Something's happening. That's crazy. I don't know. I mean, you, you don't want to take the parent away from the kid, though. You That's don't. Harsh. You don't. But, I mean, again, if your parent's that crazy, maybe. If there is a history of that, maybe. But if it's like one just colossal screw up then i don't know we're getting all law and order on everybody and I th- we, we kind of are we're we, kind of getting into social side that of got intense that got intense really okay. quick okay i just thought it was an interesting story and i feel bad for the for both sets of i feel bad for the hand like i hope the hand tastes good and i also hope the kids are okay with the bear spray all over them so uh my number two is why don't you just share yours again go ahead <laughs> did you <laughs> I thought we're taking turns, but go ahead. <laughs> wow, touche. Uh, okay, I'm going to jump in. Camp in less popular or less crowded areas. Um, obviously, bears know where the food is, and it's usually where the people are. Um, if you have ever been to Yosemite National Park, you know that the main valley is just swarming with people, and often that's where a majority of the bears will go to get their rations, if you will. So, if you want to avoid more bears, avoid more people. Um, and sure. that's probably the best way, I would say, to get away from all the bears. One argument you could anticipate against that is if you're going to avoid some of the less or the more more popular, more crowded areas, and you're going to miss some of the best stuff, right? The, the best campsite scenery. Yeah. But, yeah. But I think, you know, I mean, we've gone, we've gotten some great campsite scenery away from. For sure. You know what I mean? It's everybody. So you just got to get a little creative and, and look at the map and see and kind of, yeah, if you can read the map well enough and look at those contour lines, you can see where you're going to have sweeping views and it might be up off the trail a little ways, but it's definitely worth it. But Carl, let's say I go on a trip with my little kids, you know, or like, you know, or you have like four kids or five kids or, or they're all little, it's, it might be harder to get way out there. And so you might be, you know, confined to places that have more people, uh, more more security. So, in that regard, you know, what what would you maybe recommend for something like that? Like, if people are have the kids, if you're, yeah. If you're if you're going a shorter distance and you have the kids, well, it's some, yeah. There's times when you're not gonna um, be able to avoid that, so you will have to bring the bear canisters and be. And like I mentioned before, my first one, be smart with the bear canisters. Hopefully, I, there's also places you can go where they have. You know, like those big bear boxes already set up because it's so popular. They have those mm. in multiple national parks now. They had them in Glacier last year. I've seen them in uh, Sequoia, Kings Canyon, Yosemite, and beyond. I think they have them in um, Great Sand Dunes National Park. So they're, they're out mm-hmm. there. You can find them. So you, if you plan well enough, you can definitely find spots that are, are user-friendly for hiking with kids. But, you know, we're going to save that one for another episode because sure. I think that's a whole episode full of good stuff is hiking with kids or hiking with different types of people that right. you might not normally <clears throat> hike with. Right. So anyway, so that's a good one. So one more thing about that that I I thought of while you were talking, Derek, is that 
if you were if you're experienced in a particular area, you can't assume that a less crowded or less popular area is going to remain that way. That was one mistake that I made a few years ago mm. where I had camped in a spot, had no bears, nobody was around. And then just a few years later, I ended up camping that same exact spot and there was a ton of people around. And I thought, ooh, we might see a bear. And like literally within minutes, one of the neighboring campers came up and was like, hey, a bear just took our trash from the tree. We, we had hung it and there's a bear here. And then not too, not, not like 10 minutes later, the bear was in our camp and it was super aggressive. And yeah, that was the last time I saw a bear. I kind of wised up after that. But you just can't assume that those areas are going to stay that way is all I was trying to say about that. Safe bet. Yeah, safe bet. Safe bet. Maybe. Not, sh- not sure what that means, but sure. So <laughs> well, it's a safe bet to assume. Let's dive into that. It's a safe bet to assume that you shouldn't think that every campsite is going to be as populated as it was the three years before. Yeah. I mean, there could be, right. you know, could change okay. every year. Safe bet to assume. I'm not sure. That's It's that's a safe kind of, bet yeah. to not assume that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I think that's one of those times where you're trying to sound wise. It doesn't quite make sense. You know. Though. Yeah, that's probably true. Now that I think about Let's it. jump into my second one. Okay. So this one is something that I just learned this this last summer, and this this applies. I think it definitely applies to Glacier National Park, and I would assume that it, for the most part, it's a good rule of thumb. And that is, if you're hiking in grizzly bear country, mm. if you have a group of four or more, you are like significantly less likely to have not only a bear counter but a bear attack in in glaciers specifically they've never had a bear attack on a group of four or more hikers that are hiking together right because not only are they making sounds but it's just you know it's more daunting to for a bear to kind of encounter four more and literally we had steaming bear poop on the trail as we're as we're hiking down so we knew that that there was one nearby and we never we certainly weren't attacked we never had a grizzly bear encounter when we had four guys with us no yeah well right yeah and i think on that trip we saw you know obviously the uh i I was traveling i think the head of my i think we had split up in like four and four or something like that at one point or or something something close to that three and five four and four whatever and i was in the front of the group and all of a sudden this and we're walking through was it it must have been like shoulder chest high shoulder high brush Right, and it was high, and so like you literally cannot—you would never see a bear coming. You would never see any anything coming, really, because it's so high. And all of a sudden, probably like I don't know, maybe seventy-five feet to a hundred feet in front of me, a bear, a black bear, just like walked out on the trail, and I froze. Um, obviously, you know, if you see a bear, you don't want to run; you'd want to freeze and don't go anywhere because they're obviously way quicker than us um so i froze and we all just kind of stopped and didn't do anything and he looked right at us and then he just kind of peaced out after that after he saw i think i'm i'm assuming you know i don't know what a bear is thinking obviously but like if he's seeing a group of people i think he's just like eh, don't mess with that and it was so quick i mean this thing was like in out and he didn't even really make a sound it was just like it was almost like it was floating up the mountain it was so fast so it gives you an idea of like not only the power but the 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 swiftness of these these animals can do and it's like why would i even think about trying to outrun something that came and went in a blink of an eye it was so fast no that's good and actually let me ask you questions kind of dive in a little bit on this that thought because i actually made a big deal about this i said hey look we have eight guys let's stay in groups of four more first couple days we kind of stayed in groups of eight we just kind of all hiked together but when we had the, the big day day three 
I actually just straight up divided us up and I was like, okay, we're going to have us four going to go it's, and then you guys are going to go. It's, we're going to hike more efficiently this way and kind of make it up over, over the passes. But at one point during the day, there was a group of four where two of the guys were like, you know what? We just want to go fast. And so two of the dudes mm-hmm. took off and just literally went, they probably got a mile or two ahead of the rest of their group of two. And eventually that group of two kind of got absorbed by the, the, the kind of trailing group of four. But for a while, they left two of the guys behind, thus increasing their, their risk of a bear encounter, possibly a bear attack. If you're the group leader, Derek, what do you say to those fast guys? Slow down, guys. Just slow down. That's all you say. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind that's of... A, that's all I would say. No. You know, I mean, obviously, these are grown men. They're going to do what they want. But hopefully, you're going to send them a message that helps them understand, like, guys, you got to understand, like, this is a different park that we've been in. We've been doing this for a long time, but this park has, uh, I think it was upwards of three to 400 grizzly bears or something in the park plus black bears and all this stuff is like we got to be a little bit safer and hopefully you guys understand like the numbers significantly decrease if you guys are staying together and that might mean you go a little slower but you so know you'd lecture them is what you're saying you would actually big, give and then <laughs> and then i would obviously add group gear and make them carry more weight to slow them down <laughs> punish and, them take some of their food and empty their bladders. So, but what so about shame them and punish shame, them? Obviously you got to shame them. But what about this? Like, what if you, this is, this is going to sound a little weird, but like, this is a real thing that happens. Like we were, we had a group of four. I think you were in my group actually. And uh, lucky for you. Love, wow. Wow. <laughs> top notch, <laughs> top notch group. Right. And I think I had to go use the facilities as they say on the trail. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you guys aren't going to hang around and wait for me while I'm doing my thing. And I would uh, wait for you, just not right next to you. But I, I appreciate that actually. But sometimes, you know, you, your group gets separated when somebody has to go to the bathroom, uh, right. and sometimes it takes a while. So, what do you do in that situation? I'll throw it back at you. You got to be in in uh, reasonable distance, especially if you're talking about where that brush is, kind of like you said, chest high, and it's kind of the visibility is low. Mm. You got to be in range of the other people, and if you're going to be the one going to the bathroom, and that. If it's in a grizzly area, I think you, well, you want to have the bear yeah. spray with you. And let me just and, say this: it's not a good idea to go number two in high brush. Like you want to, <laughs> like you want to wait until you're like at you know ankle high grass. Okay, something like that. You know, I, that's just my. I think you're stumbling onto another episode. Is, is going number two and Derek's <laughs> advice about that? An episode about going to the bathroom. I think so, I just realized it was just it was so fast. This thing came out of nowhere. I'm like, what if I was just going to the bathroom? Like right. seventy five. Like I'm done. You know. But I think what you just said is is earlier is, is yeah guys are going to do what they're going to do and if they want to hike ahead because they think that's more important at the time it's more important for them to get to the top of the hill than it is to remain safe and kind of struggle along the uphill with a couple guys and they're then they're like in the end nothing happened but they were putting themselves and the other guys at risk because of that so right. well and i think just, that's I, and i've only hiked with you know my wife and some other friends of ours that were girls but i think girls are better at this stuff like guys get the whole like I can handle it. I'm a dude, you know, and I'm going to go off on my own. And they get that. Maybe it's a little bit too much of the, maybe it's a little bit too much of the ego. And they, they put themselves more in a risky situation where, in my opinion, and I could totally be wrong, but it seems like girls would be more, you know, likely to stay together and, and take the safer route because that's smarter, which everybody should do. Um, shame on those guys who went off on their own, I say. Shame. I think the story that comes to mind to relate to this is that is like Daniel on the Lions Den where, mm. where Daniel was like, he was put there. And so, and then his faith in, in the Lord and the Lord just delivered him from, from the Lions, right? 
but he was put there. We don't want to put ourselves in that situation intentionally. We want to like temper our pride with wisdom and not, yeah, we want to be confident around bears and, and behave appropriately. But at the same time, we don't want to like intentionally sabotage our chances of, of hiking successfully just for like, like we said before, for, for our own pride issues. So, so don't go seeking out like the best bear picture. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, it's if you're a photographer, that's one thing, and hopefully you know how to handle yourself. <laughs> well, you know, like that, like the ranger office ranger told me that there was a uh, there was a lake or something where like a large amount of grizzly bears congregated. I think she said it was like upwards of like forty or sixty of them would congregate over there. And I'm like, would I ever want to go there to take pictures? And this kind of related that to that last episode about rangers. We showed up to the ranger station and they're like, hey, by the way, the trail you're you're planning to do and the trail that you uh, put in a, a shuttle for and had to pay for well in advance. Um, yeah, you can't do that anymore because that is a trail <laughs> that's now covered with bears. Yeah, that was a whole other disaster. We didn't actually mention that in the last episode about rangers, but... We could if we... Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, Log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You know, if we were kind of filled with our own pride, we could have been like, whatever, we set up the shuttle. We're just going to do this trail right. and we're going to deal with it. Uh, come to find, we didn't do that. We actually played the, the safe card for sure. But come to find out, there was actually a ranger guarding that trail as well so that he would have sent us back to, yeah. I think. So it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But um, I think you hit your third one because you talked about kind of your bear encounter and not sort of being a, a sissy in the face of a bear, but handling yourself like an adult. Was that, that was your third I one? I did. Right? I kind of I blended. I kind of blended it. It felt yeah, like so it. right. I just kept going. I was listening to another podcast called uh, Freakonomics, which is one of the more popular podcasts out there. Mm. And they asked this, this economist about like 
the appropriateness of bear spray and do we really know if it works? And they have all these tips and tricks like do this, do this. And we had to watch a video this past summer about like how to handle ourselves in bear country. Mm. But this guy was like, what's the baseline data for this? Like, do they send out college students and, and see if spraying bear spray at angry bears versus shooting them like works better? That's fair. There's no, there's no real way to know what works best. And so it's just kind of funny because, because they tell us to do some of these things, but like really all they're basing it on is just reports of what's happened in the back country. So if somebody reports shooting a bear and that worked versus, you know, spraying with bear spray and that worked, like you could say, okay, that's one-to-one, like great, but mm. your all of your data is sort of like anecdotal and it's just based upon just what, what reports you're getting back versus people that never report or people that might die out there and tried the bear spray. So like, this is all, like, I think it's, like, people put it down as, like, this is how you handle yourself. But I think it's more, like, strong suggestions. But each bear is different. Each person is different. So you just never know. And so you just kind of go with what hope, which you hope is going to work. And that's what you're saying is, is remain big. And then if they if they do, if the bear does maul, you got to kind of roll over onto your stomach and play dead until hopefully it's, like, done with you. <laughs> just just watch Leonardo and the, and the Revenant if you have to. But, you know, otherwise, I think I would go with Carl's advice. One last. Yeah, one I want to hear your. Yeah, I want to hear your third one. Okay, so this one I just learned this past summer as well. When I used to work at REI like a way long time ago. What? And one of the things. No way. Yeah, I'm for shocked. real. For real. No way. I don't think that gives me any more trail cred. Strange enough, because Were you, you had access to more magazines to do more research. Right? Uh, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, but I don't think I became <laughs> any more knowledgeable by working there. I just simply knew what gear they had. And it's it's obviously changed over the years. But one of the things they sold a lot of were these uh, these bear bells. Bear and bells. The, yeah, the thought behind the bear bell is if you, if you're can't, if you're hiking with your people, do you wear them on your shoes? Talking, do you put them on your shoes? <laughs> no, you could uh, you could you could wear them. I think I think this is I think this fits into the category as a pack decoration. If you want to mm. refer back to the um, shaving weight episode, so the bear bell was is, is basically just to make sound. And alert the bear that you're there, which totally makes sense. But what we learned this past summer was in some areas, bear bells simply alert the bear like, hey, I have food with me. So when you get to camp, the bears now know where the food is. And they just alert the bears to the fact that not that you're food, but that you have food with you. So they're kind of, I don't know that they like universally work. So you could almost call them like a pack decoration, mm. and I think it's I think it's better just because I think people like put their bear bells like on their on their food bags too, to kind of alert them like, hey, a bear is trying to take my food. So it's almost like, hey, the bag with the bell. It's kind of Pavlovian, you know, like you hear the bell, <laughs> and then the bear just comes, like the dog comes for the, you know. I mean, it's it's yeah. Uh, but then at, at the same time, there's also the uh, the bear whistle, and that's kind of a pack decoration. I mean, sort of, but like we had mm-hmm. one on the last trip, right? And right, and there was talk of like, yeah, you got to blow this, and it'll scare the bear away. Yeah, it makes and, sound, and then or we heard, just alert your friends to to come and that's see, and that's what I thought it was best for because the, we, I think, I don't know if you heard, like there were some other stories we heard, like where people blew the whistle and it was like the bear's like, so what? You're blowing your dumb whistle, right? Well, and I've heard, and I've actually read stories where somebody sprays a um, a bear with the bear spray and the bear's charging so fast it goes right through it like it's nothing and then still attacks the person. <laughs> right. So it just there's like I said there's no universal like this will for sure work. It's all yeah. You know, individual circumstance you just take what information you have and hope that it works and if nothing else just cower and pray if the bear's actually attacking you. True. They do say though at some point if the bear's like not not stopping that like 
go ahead and fight back whatever whatever you can <laughs> as if it'll make a difference <laughs> yeah i will say another kind of bare fact is that the most sensitive part of the bear that you'd want to hit would be its nose i would agree. yeah or i maybe i i if you could as well that, that's where you could do a lot of damage but the nose is sure. super sensitive sure. with so interesting interesting stuff they say, they say sure. that about they say that about uh great white sharks as well you know if you ever wrestle one hit the nose Okay. And well, you're a surfer, so that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of sense. <laughs> I, I see lots of them. So let's, let's, let's kind of let's wrap it up here. You got some trivia this time, right? You I got, got trivia. I got, I got two trivias. I'm going to try and bring it back up after your sour comment about shark death. So here we go. Um, okay. <laughs> first qu- comment. It's just- <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Okay. Since 1900, hmm. there, have been, there have been about 158 bear deaths. In North America. Okay. 61 of those were in Canada. Mm-hmm. 97 were in the United States. And of those 97, uh, over half were in six parks. And the, I'm looking at a list of probably like 20 or 30 parks. So, in the, in, the, in the six parks, over half of these, name me two of those top six parks. Okay. So, you're talking about national parks, I take it, right? National parks. Okay, I like it. we we commonly refer to national parks, but that's or well, that's no, no, no. Let me let me let me let me. It, it also includes. I should I should preface it. It also includes wildernesses, wildlife refuges. Okay, um, so so basically anything that would have been. So basically, there's like a million possible answers here, and I'll yes. narrow it down to two. But okay, nice. Just Sounds give me fair. what you think. I mean, you're the master. I'm, we people okay. we gotta I test get... the master. So there's two areas that immediately came to mind. And both of them were in Alaska. Correct. Okay. So the first one that I thought of immediately was one of the larger national parks, which is Denali National Park. Denali is a solid, solid. It is on the list. It's number seven. And there were only two deaths. Two deaths in that time period. Okay. That's pretty crazy, right? Interesting. The other one that I thought of was like one of the areas that has the highest bear concentrations in mm. i think in the world mm. and that's also in alaska i'm not sure if it's a national i don't know what it's called it's 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 kodiak island kodiak island is not even on the oh wait it's kodiak national wildlife refuge yeah there was one that's like okay. way down because that actually had a famous not a famous person but somebody's making it their own documentary about the bears there and that dude got killed so no at least that guy was dead maybe that's the guy <laughs> probably could be okay so that's some wrong so far so that's totally wrong i'll give you one more guess and if you get it right you can get a bonus are these now just are these places that i know or like would i be like oh you, yeah that you, makes sense yes so yosemite, not, then? yosemite i'm gonna be honest with you yosemite is not <laughs> <laughs> you say yes like it's obvious yosemite is not even on the list no it shouldn't be because it doesn't have the grizzly bear so you're less likely right. to encounter them all right glacier national park Glacier is number one. Number I mean, one. Wow. Technically, you've already failed the assignment, but number one, they have <laughs> uh, twelve. They had twelve deaths, which was okay. four more than the second one, uh, which right, was me, yellow. Do you want to try the? Do I was going to say Yellowstone. Yellowstone. That's, that's the spot where I know they've had bear deaths, and uh, yeah. we've actually we encountered a bear in our camp spot. A grizzly bear walked through our campsite oh, when my, with my daughter. She was like a year and a half old and I had to like throw her in the car. We were just car camping. That's going to be fun. So well, we survived it, but I think it was like just a couple of weeks later, like a grizzly bear killed two people in that same camping area. Wow. So yeah, kind of disconcerting. Have you been but, back? No, probably not. 
No, but um, you do you have another trivia question? I do, I do. Yeah, so Glacier 12, Yellowstone 8, and then the second question. Here we go. If you do die when you're out <laughs> in the wild... <laughs> what do you do next? This is uh, as of about 10 years ago. Uh, it probably won't be something from something you expect so wildlife of of all the ways of the main ways to die out in the wild wildlife was the bottom of the list so what would be maybe the top one or two ways to die out in the wild and in a national park this is a national park yeah i like the positive twist on these trivia questions here i want to end this on a power (laughs) note for people to be aware no go ahead okay any what can i guess yeah, and I know I'm pretty sure hypothermia is one of them, and I'm pretty sure just like personally, which, which would like include falling. Well, you well, you're on it. Okay, so drowning was like over 350 people. Okay, uh, this isn't between 2003 and 2007, so this is like 10 years ago. So it's obviously changed, but um, the falling was number three over 100 180 people, and then vehicle accidents of people driving off. These windy roads going up to maybe yeah. some of the trails, people just like tore off over 200 and some people. So, okay. um, I believe you have one more bear story that I, yeah, and I, we might need to revisit the bear thing. And we're realizing that we're just sort of scratching the surface with some things here because, like, we're not going to have time for me to share about how to keep like a bear out of your car. Um, my wife Jessica had that happen where she had a bear get into her car and just wreak havoc. The other story that came to mind was my very first backpacking trip where we literally arrived at our camp spot and there was like three bears just like waiting for us there. Like we your hadn't first, even made camp. Your first trip. This is your first yeah, trip. Yeah, first trip. So, uh, wow. So that was a, that was a nightmare. And yeah, we didn't have the, the bear necessities with us that time. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, that's another one. But the, so the one story that I have that I feel like I just have to share this because because of the title, Fools with Bear Spray, I've got a story of, of another sort of foolish incident involving a bear. And that is a trip that I went on with a, uh, it was a, gr- a group trip, but there was a female backpacking instructor. Like that was her summer job. Like she was a legit backpacking instructor. Mm-hmm. She took groups of people out into the wilderness in the same general area that we were in. And we weren't dating or anything. We weren't, there's no funny business going on, but she happened to sleep in my, in the same tent as me that night because we were sleeping in a kind of a crowded zone where we anticipated getting a bear. And we we had hung our food, and we had taken care of our food, and and the bear kind of visited our our spot when we were out of the tent for a while, and we kind of chased it off a couple times. But when you mean kind of visited, what what does that mean? Kind of like, was like, hey, how's it going, guys? And... It wasn't like a real visit. Like it wasn't interested in us. It was interested in our food. So it was, it was, it was a visit. I'll, we'll call it a, a pure visit. Thanks for clarifying. So at some point about, I don't know, it must've been like a half hour after, you know, we went lights out. I heard that bear sniffing near my head right outside the tent. So it must've been, I want to say like four inches from my head. And wow. hence, this is why I like to sometimes sleep in the middle, except last trip. <laughs> Less likely. <laughs> to, yeah. right. Anyway, so the bear kind of sniffed around a little bit, and I forget what we did, but it, it eventually went away. This is a while ago. So nothing happened the rest of the night. We wake up the next morning, we start packing up, and like she had some gear in the tent, and she pulls out these yogurt-covered raisins from inside the tent. She's like, oh, I, I, didn't, I forgot to put this food away. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, oh I, I put that's the whole why. family in danger. I didn't yeah. even realize it. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why we almost got killed by a bear. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. But she was, it was oh, like wow. the reaction. Like, I'm like, you're a backpacking instructor, and you brought yogurt-covered raisins into a tent when you knew there's a bear in the area. That's like the worst possible thing you can do. So, oh, um, I mean, she was a great person, but that was just a, a, you know, we've all had our moments of foolishness out there. I brought, and, I brought toothpaste in one time, I'll admit. Toothpaste. Yeah, that's more, it seems for some reason more like... I mean, anything smell you gotta you gotta pack up with the food for sure, or any sort of like scent or odor. But that for some reason seems more reasonable than this like straight up yogurt have raisins when you know that we're packing the food up. So sure, sure, sure. Uh, Carl, what do we have next uh, next week? What's going on next, next week? week's episode is called the Death March. Oh wow! And for this those, is gonna be yeah, those that are experiencing yeah. exactly what I'm talking about, and I think we've got some good stuff for that. That'll be great. Um, again, guys, remember to hit up that Facebook page. Leave your comments, your stories, anything that you guys maybe want us to mention during the podcast, and we will try to fit it in when we can. And uh, we just appreciate all the support out there, and we'll just keep on going. Hopefully, you can join the team. It's not backpacking, guys, if there's not a few blisters along the way. Take care. I want to Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.